Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast, the best podcast in the whole damn world for talking crap about video games. <laughs> I'm Matt Sainsbury, the Editor-in-Chief of DigitallyDownloaded.net, and with me this week we have Ginny. Hello, Ginny. Hey, hey, how's it going? Not bad. It's been a long time since we've last seen you. It's good to have you back. Yeah, good to be back. And we also have Scylla. Hello, Priscilla. How are you doing? Hi, good, thanks. How are you? I am good. I'm alive. It's a good day. <laughs> so a quick look at some of the interesting bits of news from the week. Was anything that kind of stood out for you, Ginny, this week? Anything exciting? Anything that make you happy? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, kind of. Um, the uh, Star Citizen, um, Star Citizen's new game, well, game that may never be released, but Squadron 42 has a new trailer and it has some really, really cool actors in it. So people like Gillian Anderson, Andy Serkis, John Rhys-Davies. So uh, it looks really, really cool. I still don't know what the game's going to be about. <laughs> um, apparently it's going to be like um, a single player RPG I guess it kind of is going to be like maybe bio I mean mass effecty judging by the the stuff that we've seen so far of the game but I mean they've crowdfunded like over like a hundred million dollars for this game so I mean I hope it looks good I, I don't know what it's going to be but it looks great they've clearly got a lot of big ticket people signed on for it so it kind of made me remember the game um, a little bit I've forgotten that they were even working on Squadron 42 but now that I've seen this I'm pretty excited it looks really good yeah hopefully they didn't spend that hundred million on actors I know I was gonna say because some of these guys are pretty <laughs> big budget yeah I'm sure they know how to balance the budget sheet and I'm sure it's going to be good Mm. I have faith. What about you, Scylla? What's your news of the week? Anything stand out for you? Uh, yeah, so mine's a little different, but I'm intrigued by the news that they're going to release Amiga Vampire, which is a hardcore Yowie game on the Switch. So I'm not, I looked into it a little bit, and I'm not sure if it'll come out for us because the original PC release was Japan only, but... I'm hopeful because there's not enough penises on the Switch. <laughs> surely, surely they'd censor out the penises for the Switch version. Surely. Yeah. I mean, so it'd it'd I be can't... like Necropara, right? Like, um, mm. which is good. It's still good. I'm sure it'll still be great. And yeah, there isn't enough, you know, um, boys on the switch i guess is the way to put it yeah i um, can't see it being released without being heavily edited at least for us anyway mm, yeah yeah but there's there's been quite a few of those kind of adultish games that have been released on switch um now for well for you know women um but yeah they've always been edited but that's okay it's the it's the thought that counts. We all have imaginations. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have fill in the gaps that um, <laughs> no sense is out. It's fine. <laughs> and speaking of Switch, I guess my bit of news for the week is that Fate Extella Link is actually confirmed for the Switch. It's weird. Oh, I actually nice. thought it was, yeah, I thought it was from like the start. And I've been going around for the last couple of months assuming that there's going to be a Switch version of Fate Extella Link. And then I was like on Twitter with somebody and I was talking about it and I said, but that hasn't been announced. And I thought I was going a bit crazy. But 
seems like I got it right. <laughs> it is. Um, and that'll be good because that's the best Dynasty Warriors-like game or the last Fate Excel was. The best Dynasty Warriors game that wasn't developed by Koei Tecmo. So I'm certainly up for more of that. Mm-hmm. I'm always up for more Saber. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to go to some music. Um, we can pick the music this week because there's no Alan. Uh, I'm going to pick... I'm going to pick some Mickey music, of course, to start with, and it'll be a good track, I'm sure. And we'll come back and we'll be talking about Warriors Orochi. Oh, 
決めたか花形たり僕はその場に倒れ込んだ人と汗はまじりあいあかて紫の雫へと変わってゆく普通の時計た女たちは全て我に返り足利かが逃げ出した僕のことを一瞬だけ見て最後に足利かが出たのはあの女なら何に待てよまだ君に好きだと言ってない And welcome back, everybody. Okay, so we're going to talk about Where is Orochi 4, which was, by the time you listen to this podcast, Embargo's Lift, everybody's talking about it, and I think it might <laughs> even have been released, and you can download it and play it or buy it and play it if your preference is to have boxes and discs and stuff. But, yeah, we're going to talk about it because... We have an unusually high concentration of Warriors fans in the DDNet team, and um, 
we fought about this one a bit about who was going to review what or who was going to get what version and whatever. And as of recording this podcast, we don't actually know who's going to review it for us, <laughs> but the review will be the review will actually be up on the site by the time you are listening. Um, so you'll know, but we don't at the moment. I've been playing it. Uh, Ginny's been playing it. She's reviewing it for another publication, but uh, we've also got Brad from the team. He's been playing it. We've all been playing it, and I think the consensus is we all pretty like it. Is yeah. that fair, Ginny? It's that's, pretty likable. Yeah. <laughs> it, would be, it would be hard for me to not enjoy a Warriors game, to be honest. Like, it would be really difficult for me to not enjoy it because <laughs> they're just, like, really fun. I don't want to say mindless entertainment because it's not quite mindless, but it, it is sort of really fun. Um, you know, it's, it's a nice change of pace from the games that, like strategy RPG games that I, I usually end up reviewing. So, yeah, I like it. I, I love them. I'm a great, I'm a big Warriors fan. And this, I think Orochi 4 probably has a, the most varied roster um, out of all the Warriors games that I've played recently because we've got, what well, we've got not only the uh, the regular, um, extremely famous uh, Dynasty Warrior type characters and Samurai Warrior type characters, we also have the Greek and Norse gods, much less of them. Um, than their East Asian counterparts, but they're still there, which is which is pretty cool. And very much more re- revealing closing. Oh yeah, yeah. That's something we should talk about really. They have they have good bodies and they're confident with it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, Just like the Greeks used to do it back in the day, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, that roster thing's interesting for me because, um, I mean, it did set a record for the most number of playable characters in a game and Koei Tecmo was out there trumpeting the fact that Guinness Records recognised that. But, I mean, Guinness Records recognises pretty much everything. That's not yeah. really not that interesting. But <laughs> but it is true. I mean, with 170 playable characters, there is an awful Ooh. lot of playable characters in this game. And that's a good thing. Um, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. I found the roster to be a little little bit more focused, I think, um, than some previous games. I mean, the last Warriors Orochi had characters from wildly different franchises. It had characters from uh, Dead or Alive. It had characters from Atelier. It had characters from uh, really obscure ones like uh, Bladestorm and Warriors Legends of Troy. It had, yeah, it had a kind of more varied roster. This one focuses much more on Dynasty Warriors and Samurai Warriors with a couple of um, original characters plus those yeah, Greek and, and Norse gods. So I found that interesting. Um, I thought I wasn't going to like it going in because I was a huge fan of Warriors All-Stars. I like that kind of character mashup thing. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of got into this and really enjoyed the more narrow focus, I guess, because I think it's allowed the writer and they pulled in a really famous writer. I can't remember his name and I feel very bad for that, but they pulled in a pretty famous writer to help with this one because they knew it was going to be difficult dealing with 170 characters and he's done a really good job. It's actually a really intriguing little narrative, actually. I think he's the guy that writes um, Suikoden, isn't it? Yoshitaka Murayama? Yes, the oh, one that... Him. Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah, yeah. he's obviously quite used to dealing with very large rosters of characters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because Sukadan has a very large roster of characters as well. So, yeah, he's done a really good job of making sure that every character somehow manages to feel important to the narrative, even though they say, like, three things uh, <laughs> at times. I don't know how he's done it, but, yeah. I mean, every character, doesn't matter which character is your favourite, you feel like they're given, you know, um, adequate screen time and is important enough to the, the flow of the plot. 
So that was quite impressive, actually. And I've been really intrigued by the narrative as it, as it has played out because, yeah, it does a good fantasy job. It's a it's obviously a very fantasy thing because you know it's about heroes from very different periods of time being drawn into this this battle um, yeah. royale. Oh, yeah, <laughs> which was and, the important uh, part. I was like, okay, I, know how I was like, I know how they're gonna get here. It's gonna be a bunch of people because of some weird cosmic event, and they were like, the cosmic event is Zeus, and I was like, oh, oh, cool, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah, is Zeus? Zeus decided to you know just do it too, which was pretty funny. <laughs> He's like, yeah. oh yeah, let's let's give it a crack. It'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a great story. Yeah, it really is. It actually really is. It sounds really silly, I know, but um, people don't generally talk about Warriors games and narrative, although they should. But this one, yeah, it it's really interesting. It's fun. It's good fun. Yeah, I think so, and I think it's a good change of pace, at least anyway, like switch wise from the other Warriors games that we have that are, I suppose receive or re receive more sort of prominence on the Switch. So I know you play a PS4 version, but on the Switch, the, I think the most recent Warriors game would have been Hyrule Warriors, and then before that we would have had Fire Emblem Warriors. This is really, I think, kind of the the first. I don't want to say like Warriors Warriors. It sounds redundant, but this is really, I think, probably <laughs> the, the the first true Warriors game that is a, a sort of franchise base of a more popular video game or more popular in the west anyway so i think it's a good title for them to actually put on the switch because it gives people a taste of everything because well well specifically a taste of 170 things if they really wanted them <laughs> um, i think it was a really good one to actually pick to put on the switch as a first base warriors title so you'd say it's a good starting point then as someone like me who's never played one yeah, I think so, because you don't really need to have played any of the rest to still enjoy the story, because the premise is just so off the wall. Like, if you think about it, it's like, oh, these people from ancient China and Japan are brought into this fantasy universe because of Zeus. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no need to actually recognize them from previous games. It, I think it makes it slightly more enjoyable if you recognize historical figures. Of but, course. like, it's not compulsory. Like, you will, you'll still have fun playing it, even if you don't know who any of the people are. Whereas, I think with Fire Emblem and with Hyrule Warriors, it's actually more about knowing the location and knowing the setting to really enjoy it. This one, not so much. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I think Ginny's right. I you probably, I mean, obviously, if you haven't played the Samurai Warriors or Dynasty Warriors games and or haven't studied up on your ancient Chinese or medieval Japanese history, you're not going to know who the characters are. Um, but it kind of doesn't matter because the characters all have these really great designs and um, they're obviously not performing to character in the sense that they're not actually you know, following through their historical roles. So, um, yeah. You'll, you'll find which characters you like just by playing because you'll pick out the ones that have the nicest design and, and whatever, and uh, you'll go from there. But yeah, I don't think you need to have played the previous games in the Warriors series to really get the most out of this one. Awesome. That's good to so know. So I recommend it to you. So I re <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'll add it to my list. Add it to the list. It's a long game because, yeah, 170 characters and you can level them all up and... That'll take a while. <laughs> That'll well, take a really long while. But I have my Switch back now as of yesterday. Yay. So, yeah. And they give the characters in a good, at, at a good rate, which is really good. I mean, one of the things I had an issue with a little bit with, uh, with, with the previous one, Warriors of Ruchi 3, was I wasn't getting my favorite characters early enough. Um, mm. But, yeah, 
I'm getting, I got Grace here early on, and that makes me happy. Oh, good old Twin Tails. That's what makes yes. me happy. <laughs> yes. Twin Tails is my favorite. But I was, I still haven't got, um, as of the recording of this podcast, I still haven't got Lady Sun, which makes me very unhappy. Oh, she's, she's prima. She's great. She's the best. And I was really upset because you actually meet her family like really early on. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like the first group of people you meet in the game. I was like, yes, but no. <laughs> Where is she? Where is she? She's not here. <laughs> I feel lonely. It's very sad. Oh, man. But yeah, no, we definitely, rec well, I definitely recommend it um, at this stage, even though I'm not super firing yet. I am, as you guys already massive disclaimer, Matt's already said, we love Warriors on the DDNet podcast, so it's going to be hard to find a contrary opinion here or an unbiased <laughs> opinion. But I think our professional opinion about these games is that they're really good and really fun. And this is a good one to get into if you've never played one before. Yes. And play the PlayStation 4 version. Yeah, please. The Switch Maybe one is Switch fun, one. but it does not look... I don't think it looks anywhere near as good as the PS4 one would. It looks good by handheld warrior standards. Oh, let's yeah. Be fair here. yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, it looks, yeah, it looks better than Fire Emblem Warriors, I think. Yeah, it does. It definitely looks. Uh, it looks a cut above uh, the 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 two Nintendo Warriors games. Mm -hmm. And you know, um, handheld consoles have traditionally struggled with Warriors games because there's so many characters on the screen at once, and mm -hmm. that is very difficult to do with a handheld console. So if you've played the Warriors games on the Vita or the 3DS, you know all about making compromises uh, to your favorite games in order to play them handheld. But yeah, this one, it's good on the Switch. It looks fine. Uh, it plays fine. But I think there might be a slight issue with frame rates or something. Um, I never yeah, noticed. It's, it's not but good. Whatever. I wouldn't say it's noticeable. Like It wouldn't be enough for me to to feel like I had to immediately put it down and play like a different version, but it definitely doesn't feel nearly as, doesn't feel as smooth as the other Warriors games did on the Switch, which I probably suspect because they are lower fidelity as well. Um, but it definitely feels a little bit, when you're fighting big groups or they, you activate your special um, in a big group, there is a definite split second of time whereby there's some quality degradation there. Yeah, which um, I know for some people somehow manages to ruin the entire experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Um, the, yeah, definitely the PS4 version is the way to go. I'm playing on PS4 Pro. I'm having no issues with frame rate, and I'm seeing all the lovely people, characters in <laughs> all their high-definition glory. Um, and, yeah, the engine's really pushed to its max, which is great. So on that note, we're going to go to some music. I think we're going to pick some music from Samurai Warriors um, yeah. because I like the flutes. You know how oh, they use yeah. the flutes in Samurai Warriors a lot, the Japanese flutes? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's good. It's a good mix of like traditional instruments and rocky, pacey stuff. So Samurai Warriors, we'll be back to talk about, well, blockbusters in general, I think.
And we're back again. You missed us. Um, so, for the second section of the podcast, we are going to talk about, uh, I guess, the state of the blockbuster releases this year, because this is, you know, probably getting towards the end of the big releases of the year. I know there's still some cowboy game coming out and some uh, World War II shooter, I think it is, isn't it, from EA this year? Um so there's those two ones, but we've got Call of Duty that's just come out. Uh, Assassin's Creed's obviously already landed. Uh, Ubisoft actually double-dipped on the blockbuster thing with Starlink, which has just come out by the time you're listening to this, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, Ginny, what do you think overall? Has it been a good blockbuster season this year? Um, I I think it's been as expected. Um <laughs> I, I think that we've kind of hit a stride in the past five to ten years of blockbuster gaming where you can reliably expect a title once every one or two year cycle from big publishers that looks pretty much like the last one that they released one to two years ago, but slightly shinier and with more microtransactions. <laughs> um, in in terms of in terms of I guess where in terms of, I guess, the formulaic nature of a lot of AAA releases, um, whether the jury, I guess, is still out on that, I don't know. I personally think that it's, stories are more valuable than um, than loot boxes, and having a game once every year just seems ridiculous to me in terms of a you know like a work schedule for your employees and just you know the the way that it creates trends and expectations in the game industry. But regardless. The blockbusters I have played this year have been have been very good, um, and I think that some companies like UB particularly are actually kind of coming around on the whole. Um, this is the this is the current commercial formula that works. We're just only going to do this and do this forever. I think that they've made some good strides with AC Odyssey. Obviously, Cassandra is the play is arguably the better of the two playable characters by far. Um, not not just saying this because she's a woman. I think she's really really cute, but she by far I think has better dialogue than Alexia or spread delivery. It's just and the Ubisoft formula that they had for AC Odyssey um, did not take itself as seriously as the past games have. So I think that there is some hope there. I think that we're seeing a little bit more creative injections back into these AAA games that have been kind of churned out um, over and over again. But then again, you've got games like Fallout 76 coming out soon, which looks like a hot mess of um, commerciality and content, and games like Red Dead Redemption 2, which have been silent for dormant for so long, and I guess we, re- we really don't know much about them or, or why they're kind of coming out and said they are coming out. So um, from the games that I've played, I've enjoyed them, but overall, commerciality-wise and industry trending-wise, I think it's, you know, same old, same old. So it takes a lot to push industry back into relying heavily on creative work and not just stats. I mean, do we really not know that much about Red Dead? I mean, I think we all know exactly what it's going to be like. Okay, well, Even... we know what it's going to be like, but my, <laughs> I guess my question is why we, need, why, we need an, why we need the Red Dead game of the past now. Does that make sense? <laughs> We, yeah, you know, I mean, the world is the world uh, has changed. People include female characters now as playable characters in games. You know, there are more diverse settings and more diverse races. People like narrative stories. There's more dialogue. You know, there's not as much of a fixation on horse balls in today's market. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess that's my issue with Red Dead. It's like um, 
what's it going to to offer that the last Red Dead didn't really offer? Um, exactly. Other than more realistic visuals, which they wasted a whole lot of money on because nobody's going to care about that five years from now. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have no problem with the idea of doing a, a game in the Western setting. I quite like the Westerns. I enjoy Sergio Leone films like just about anybody. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Red Dead doesn't really tickle my fancy. I know it's just going to be another Red Dead game. And that's, I guess, my issue with blockbusters in general. I think of all the blockbusters that get released each year, Assassin's Creed's the one that I generally look forward to the most. I think taking that year off a couple of years ago that Ubisoft did and they didn't release one, that was a good move because that obviously let them set the, or I, I guess not reset, but uh, re-establish the, the, the kind of formula or create a new formula as such, which we've seen with Origins and Odyssey. Uh, and both of those games have turned out to be really, really good. And I hope that Ubisoft is going to be brave enough to keep taking that year break every so often when they need to to give the the franchise a chance to air itself and and redefine itself when necessary um i wish certain other publishers uh, ea and activision would mm -hmm. pay attention to that because i think battlefield and call of duty both desperately need um a new injection of creativity because especially this year that that call of duty game looks like an absolute joke <laughs> to me i mean they always look like jokes to me but this one looks like an even funnier joke than usual um it just yeah no single player at all right or is uh, there no uh, there's no uh, single player at all it's like battle basically all Royale, multiplayer. Maybe? yeah battle royale because copying copying pubg and fortnite was exactly what call of duty needed to establish itself at the top yeah well anyway <sighs> How do you feel about these games, Silla? <laughs> uh, oh, I kind of feel the same way as you. Like every year, everyone's like, oh, this is the best year in gaming. This is the best year in gaming because it's the same kind of stuff that comes out every year. So you know what to expect. Mm. Um, but they're not bad. I've only just this month really started playing them because I was catching up. Um, but I beat Detroit this month and I'm playing God of War now. Mm -hmm. And they, they're good. But I don't know. At the same time, they're nothing overly special that I've never seen before. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, for the amount of money they spend making these games, you kind of hope they're good. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a really big problem if they're not good. So I don't know why people keep talking about these kinds of games as being, you know, these great games and, and uh, as though that's something special when if it costs $100 million to make, if it's not, you know, if it's not a really good game, then there's a real problem there. So I, I don't know. Hitting hitting the baseline doesn't really do it for me. And I certainly felt that a bit with Spider-Man. Spider-Man probably kicked off this year's blockbuster season, I think is fair to say. It was probably the first first game of the, the blockbuster season. And I thought, yeah, Spider-Man's fun. It's good fun. Um, but the amount of money spent on it, it kind of needed to be good fun. It doesn't really do much else than be good fun. And yeah. Yeah, that's the issue, I guess, with blockbusters. So when people talk about, you know, uh, each year, the last couple of years being kind of, you know, a really good patch for games and, um, you know, uh, up there with the best game years of game releases ever, I kind of agree, but it's not really for the blockbusters. 
that I think we've had the best best games come out over the last couple of years. And on that note, let's let's listen to some more music. I think. Um, pick a track, Ginny. You can pick a track. Any track you I like. I can pick a track. Any track. Yeah. Any track. Um, Not Sonic. Something from. <laughs> You're like any track, <laughs> but Sonic. You have How to do you it know? now. I was just about to say Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what about uh, something from Bastion, um, the Super Giant game? Ooh. Um, That's a good idea. They've got a lot of good, like, they've got a lot of good music in that game. Maybe I guess, yeah, we'll cut to some, some fight music from Bastion. Yeah. Yes, okay, brilliant. Bastion, very good. Just recently released on the Switch. Get it if you haven't played it before. It is that good. It is really good. everybody for the last section of the podcast this week we are going to talk about nintendo and specifically nintendo on mobile because i think it's safe to say nintendo's gone pretty heavy on the mobile side of things over the last couple of years and we've just got well we've got dragalia lost to look forward to out here in australia and new zealand unfortunately we can't play it at the moment i know other people are playing it and having a good time with it or whatever uh we can't unfortunately um but there's also, what, a Mario Kart on the way and Fire Emblem Heroes is still going strong and I think one or two people are still playing 
uh, Animal Crossing mobile. Mm. Maybe one or two, probably not more than that. Um, but yeah, Silla, what about you? What are your thoughts about Nintendo on mobile? Do you love everything they throw out there? Um, um, are you completely addicted? Well, I still play well, Pokemon Go, and I guess that's Niantic, but I'll still count that because that was my first foray. I played so much Animal Crossing Pocket Camp, but I don't play it anymore. But it's both of the Oops, we've lost Silla. That's a bit of technical issues. Apologies for that, listeners. Uh, let's listen to Ginny then. <laughs> Ginny, tell me all about um, Nintendo and mobile. Are you keen on Dragalia Lost? Um, I think it looks cool. Um, that again, I'm someone that played the the Tales mobile game for longer than anyone else should have played the Tales mobile game. <laughs> so I always get really sucked in because, like, I love JRPGs, even like JRPG lights, which I know I hate the term, but like essentially condensed smartphone optimized versions of them i still find them interesting like i still think oh this story is really cute this character is really cute like it'll draw me in um but i just feel like because they're often light on every single aspect of jrpgs including narrative they don't hook me so i'm someone that will pretty much try all of them out but to stick with them is a different story um I mean, I think the longest Nintendo game that I've played mobile-wise is probably Fire is probably Fire Emblem Heroes, just because I love all my waifus and I like collecting the outfits. <laughs> um, but apart from that, Nintendo hasn't really had a good run. I know that AC Pocket Camp did well financially and Heroes did well as well. But before that, if you think about what they had before, it was what Super Mario Run or something, and Pokemon Shuffle, and those did like abysmally. So. Um, I know Dragalia Lost isn't really out yet in Australia slash New Zealand. It's out pretty much everywhere else that would bother wanting to play that game. Um, but I think, I guess only time will tell if it's actually going to be popular. Um, I know that even though it's still new, Nintendo were like, hey, let's do another mobile venture. And I was like, oh, no. And they said, oh, Mario Kart for mobile. So um, I don't know if there'll be like a direct port of any kind. If there'll be like a special Mario Kart mobile like redesigned game, I don't know yet, but it looks like whether or not Dragalia lost as well, Nintendo's pretty invested on the phone as another console for its games, I guess. Yeah. Stuff that lasted for so long. Um, I don't know, did you ever play that, Ginny? Or was it really a game? Did you ever use that? Um, not a lot. I did, though. <laughs> Yeah. It was pretty it was pretty terrible. It was um uh, people obviously downloaded it because it was Nintendo's first thing on uh, mobile, but yeah, it didn't take people long to realize it was pretty terrible. And the servers have been shut off for that one, so that didn't last very long at all. But yeah, um Dragalia Lost is interesting because it's the first time that Nintendo's created a new franchise for um for mobile as opposed to uh using its own properties. And it's it's not entirely Nintendo either. It's made in collaboration with gung-ho was it yeah is it gung-ho so, yeah it's not just nintendo yeah so i mean it's not like a nintendo technically not like a nintendo original ip i don't think um but if it's successful maybe we'll see it you know um on switch or we'll see it spin out into a franchise on other consoles and my yeah. suspicion is nintendo's using it i guess to test the waters for a new ip uh and see if there will be there'll be demand for it um but yeah, a bit like you, I like to try a lot of these kind of mobile RPGs and I get hooked on them for a little while. Um, Fire Emblem Heroes is 
one of the few that I've still kept playing again because it has Lynn and that's enough for me. Um, but yeah, I've tried a lot of them. I tried the Tales one. I didn't play it. Uh, Square Enix put out. That was pretty good. I enjoyed oh, the yeah, bit. That's right, yeah. yeah, I like the characters in Star Ocean. So that was one of those kind of bring all the characters together things. And um, yeah, I, I really got a kick out of that. But again, only for a short time because these games generally have fairly limited systems. And mm. there's, there's a point where it just becomes an exercise in asking for money from people. And while you can play them without necessarily spending the money, I get I just get frustrated with the constant, um, you know, get some extra this, get some extra that, um, spend money, spend money, spend money, spend money. It's all very, um, I don't know, it's very cynical to me. And I find yeah. that frustrating over time, um, which is an issue with basically all mobile games, not just Nintendo, <laughs> but Nintendo. Nintendo has certainly asked for a lot of money for me to keep playing Fire Emblem Heroes. Um, and sometimes I spend a little bit of money on it, but... Yeah, I don't know. If it, if it was like a $60 game up front, I'd probably, um, I'd probably still be playing it much more, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. That is the main thing for me is the whole story aspect. Um, but maybe Dry Loss can change that because, I mean, you know, they are, this is Nintendo's first proper, um, I guess, JRPG uh, for the mobile. And, I mean, they, they've had a lot of effort put into their JRPG ports onto the Switch, and they're working with experienced developers like Sci Games, so it could go well. Um, I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath, really. But it'll be nice oh, so it was Sci Games, was it? They're working with Sci Games, Games on it. Oh, okay. Well, Sci Games is obviously a very, um, well, they're a good developer in the mobile yeah, space, they and they certainly have a really good yeah. mm. They have a really good reputation in Japan, and they actually have brought one of their uh, properties to console. I, which is which one is it? It's um, which was the one? I can't remember the name of it now. Um, one of Sci Games games has been turned into a PlayStation Four JRPG, a full big budget one, and it looks it actually looks really good. And I believe it's coming uh, out in the West. Fantasy? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Um, and that looks really good. And I believe even the console one is actually coming out in the West, where the mobile game did not. So there is hope for Dragalia Lost to, I guess, spin into a franchise because Psy Games has had experience with that. And yeah, I'm, I'm keen to check it out. We'll all be very badly underleveled, but that's okay. <laughs> because yeah, all the all our friends uh, in America and Japan and whatever have, will have had all this time to level up their characters and stuff, but that's okay. We'll form a clan of Aussies and New Zealanders and yeah. do, the un do the underdog thing. That'll, that'll work. We're used to that. Yeah. 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 It's weird. Australia and New Zealand used to be the place where everybody tested their games. These days it's like Canada and weird countries. But anyway, uh, on all of that note, we might go to some music and finish things up. Uh, Priscilla, unfortunately, because of technical <laughs> issues, you didn't get to say That's everything okay. you might have wanted. But we'll let you um we'll let you pick the music. How's that? Pick a song, any song. Oh, not Sonic. <laughs> let's let's do. This is a lot of pressure. Maybe maybe I'm a lion from Final Fantasy VIII. Oh, okay, that's a nice choice. Final Fantasy VIII, good music. 
thank you very much for tuning in everybody and uh, enjoying the podcast i hope and we will see you next week thanks for joining us priscilla 